Hello, and welcome to Avatar The Last Korra. Fart bending, Hannah. <laughs> fart bending? Yeah, that's fart where we, bending. That's where we are in this world now. We've fart. reached fart bending. Yep. Mm-hmm. This it's... is the end. We're, we're not going to make it through this whole show. We're <laughs> fart bending? David, I'm sorry. It's only the beginning, and it doesn't get a lot better. Oh, God. Um, I just, I tried to push it out of my brain for as long as possible, but it, it came back. <laughs> and just all of its, like, visceral... Uh, as, like, a legitimate technique, too. Potty humor, yeah. And, yeah, it defeats all the all the adult bad guys who are, like, fully trained assassins sent specifically to kill airbenders. It's we'll just... capture them or whatever. It's just absolutely baffling to me that this is a thing in, like, their... The more mature show, right. supposedly. Right! Like, you know, there is the occasional bit of, like, potty humor in Avatar, but not really... And, like, here, again, we've got, like, literal fart jokes every, like, two episodes. And this is the serious one? Like, what are you doing? They just have no sense of tone. Yeah, let's just, let's start with Avatar. Let's start with Last Airbender this week. Okay. It's, I can't, I can't get right into farting. I can't do it. I mean, it's not like... This one's weird, because we've got a terrible episode and, like, a pretty good episode. I don't know. It's interesting, because a lot of people say that The Great Divide, uh, book one, episode, was it, nine, uh, is the worst episode of the season. I don't know if it's that bad. It's just, like, it's so morally preachy. Like, so much more than, like, anything else that we've, like, come across yet. But then, like... All the moral preachiness of it feels really undercut by the fact that, like, Aang just lies about everything to resolve the issue, you know? Yeah, but that's the th- point, is it's it's not actually that morally preachy. There isn't, like, you know, a simple solution that, you know, can resolve everybody's differences. Let's let's start at the beginning. Uh, All right. It's, it's, it's the Great Divide. It's the Grand Canyon of the Avatar universe, and it's filled with spider furry furry spiders monster things monster things yeah and it's dangerous so you need an earthbender to go through mhm um and, and so there's they, these two rival tribes who are both trying to get across but they like hate each other Jinwei uh, and Wei Jin <laughs> the Ganjin and the what are the other ones uh i don't know it's, yeah the, it's not they shouldn't have introduced so many names to us in this episode. It's too much. There's a lot going on. But so one's, you know, like this neat, tidy tribe, and one's like a sort of barbarian-esque aesthetic tribe. Yeah. Um, one of them, some of them are wearing just like pelts, and the other ones are wearing like beautiful uh, kimonos and robes and dresses. Can, my Like, my favorite line that just feels so cold to me and, like, stupid. So they're having, like, a, a fight about, like, we've got sick people. Well, we've got old people. We deserve <laughs> to cross first. And the, like, sloppy group, or, well, yeah, the, the neat group is, like, 
Well, you wouldn't have so many sick people if you knew how to take care of yourselves and not be disgusting slabs. And the other one responds by going, Well, you wouldn't have so many old people if you took such good care of yourself. Like, Yeah, maybe if you weren't so neat, neat people would die, die sooner. Which is <laughs> like the stupidest comeback no they have such dumb comebacks but that's part of what i love about the episode is just like how ridiculously stupid these tribes are um so like at at another point so there's this rule that you can't bring food Mm -hmm. into the canyon because then the giant spiders will come and eat you because they like to eat food but if like humans are carrying food then they eat you too (laughs) i don't know how that works it doesn't matter it's irrelevant. Um, they're like bears, but like instead of just killing you and eating your food, they'll like eat you with your food. Your food, yeah. But anyway, so like the the, uh, the rich folks are like, oh, those nasty barbarians probably snuck food in. So why should our tribe go hungry if they're going to sneak food in? And then the other guys go, they think so little of us that they probably assumed we would sneak food in. So, so they snuck food did. in themselves. That's why we snuck food in. <laughs> it's so Stupid. <laughs> but I cracked up at that line. And it's also really funny because, like, Katara and Sokka, they're having, like, a sibling squabble over, you know, being neat and tidy versus being, you know, lazy and practical or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever the fucking dichotomy is supposed to be. The boys and the girls, the yeah. bookering siblings. Um, so Aang splits them up to sort of be like, can you get to the bottom of why they hate each other? And, like, they both come back being like, yeah, the other side sucks. But the thing that I find funny is that Katara is, like, actively investigating. She's like, so what is the history of your tribe? And Sokka's just going, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) he's just, like, he's he's, like, half listening. Yeah. (laughs) That's really funny. They're like, I bet you want to know the story of our tribes. And Sokka's like, yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, meat. Like, they really play up the, like, (laughs) the meat-eater, like, part of his personality. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, like, that's the one time where, like, loving food kind of works as a joke, wherein, like, he, he's supposed to be investigating, and it's just kind of being handed to him, he just doesn't <laughs> even care. The guy's like, <laughs> he just assumes that Sokka would eventually ask these questions. Yep. Yep. So, you know... I think this is a funny episode. There, I don't know, there are some moments. I don't want to hate it as much as I think I used to hate it. It's just like, yeah. like looking at where it comes in, in like the whole, it just feels like such a strange departure from all the momentum that we've been building because like, you know, there's like nothing at all about like bending or like the fire nation or like true, like moral conflict Whereas, like, you know, we've had Winter Solstice, the waterbending scroll, like, tons of shit happening there. Jet is all about, like, terrorists, you know? And then this one, it's like, well, we're stuck in a canyon and there's some squabbling. Well, yeah, it's filler. I don't... It's I like so filler. Filler, filler, filler is a neutral term in my mind. I don't think filler is inherently bad. It gives you a chance to play with the dynamics of the characters, maybe introduce some themes that, you know, are going to come into play later. Like, for example, the themes of prejudice, like, that are going to come in later. (laughs) 
I guess. But and, like, and themes about history and, like, how the history of warring tribes is, is like, the basis for all conflict. But mm-hmm. it's all, you know, it's all imaginary. It's all in the past. Mm-hmm. It can be fictionalized. Yeah, and that Aang will just lie to get out of situations. Well, well, I don't see why that's, like, a negative thing. I mean, I think that shows, like, a lot about, you know, his character is that, you know... He he's he's more of just like trying to get the best results, you know. He doesn't really care about, you know, making sure that everything is done in the morally righteous way, like Katara is. You know, Katara would be like, "No, the truth is important." But and like, like she wasn't really. at all. In like in this one, her she reaction just seemed kind of like she, she was like, "Oh, you're you're bad, Aang. Ooh, I like a bad boy." <laughs> She was yeah. Like, well done. And she stole know. from pirates, you know. Katara's not such. She a, did steal from pirates. Pieces. I don't know. I like that about the show. It doesn't have those like obvious moral lessons that you would have in other shows, like don't steal or don't you know don't lie. It's more like the larger, more important lessons, like don't let the past uh, you Define. know inform your prejudices or don't you know uh don't be jealous of your friend's abilities you know right but then sprinkled in there is the idea that like you know maybe those other moral lessons are kind of pointless and stupid <laughs> don't steal i mean what if the thing that you're stealing is it's stolen it's from pirates yeah exactly don't lie well what if their entire history <laughs> is based on a lie that they're telling to themselves mm-hmm. you know yeah what's the well, goddamn and- point and we'll get to more of that, um, like, later. Is God, is, is this the one where Aang goes to jail in season two, or is that in this season? It's season two. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So so we'll get to more in season two. But um, There's always going to be filler, is the thing. And I, yeah. I like the filler episodes, too. And I, they get such a bad rep. But, like... I think I it depends. Know. I would not say that this is one of my, like, top five favorite filler episodes of all time. No, uh, of course not. But, like, I don't know. Is it is it really, like, that much worse than uh, The Warriors of Kiyoshi? I feel like that episode was pretty weak. I guess, but, but I think because it came so early in the series, we're still learning so much about those characters. Like... Like, now I feel like we know who these people are. And I guess. Like, it's like, okay, yeah, sure, fine. I don't know. Not as bad know. as we're I used to, to think We're going to get to episodes later in this season that I'm going to be like, well, that, that was kind of a stinker, wasn't it? It was kind yeah. of unpleasant to watch. I'm, yeah, we're going to. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> but this one isn't one of them for me. I, I, I remember this being, like, sort of... Maybe, like, the first episode where I sort of got that you can just sort of throw these characters into any situation and I'll watch it. Um, okay. I, I, it, it taught me something a little bit different. And I, I liked that as a kid, you know, that it was sort of cheeky. All right, all right. Well, then we also had The Storm. And, like, this one is just straight-up backstory, but it's great. Oh, yeah. I mean, I like metaphors as much as the next guy. The Storm... It's the storm inside of my characters. <laughs> but, I mean, this is another moment where we're really painting this sort of, like, character arc dichotomy between Aang and Zuko and sort of saying, mm. look, they're both on these journeys and they're both sort of trying to 
like bring them to the same spot, but like on wildly different paths, you know? Yeah, they they do really try and draw those like visual comparisons between like the two things. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically so they they end up in this town. There's a storm, and uh, Aang gets yelled at by this like weird old man. Yep. Who's like, I hate the Avatar, because where you been for the past hundred years? Which, like, kind of fair enough, but also, shut the fuck up, dude. I mean, like, he just doesn't know. Like, yeah. you know, for all he know, like, he's just a fisherman in, like, a tiny town. For all he knows, the Avatar has been, like, in hiding or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, you don't, you don't know shit. You don't know mm-hmm. shit about shit. Uh, but he's just like, yeah, I, I hate the Avatar. <laughs> And, and well, like, he accuses Aang of running away, and Katara's like, Aang would never, and then he proceeds to run away, <laughs> um, which is great. You goofed uh, on that one. Yeah. So Sokka's going out with the old man to make some money so they can buy food, and uh, meanwhile, Zuko's, like, sailing around looking for the Avatar, but there's a storm a-coming, and Zuko's <laughs> like, I don't care about the individual safety of my crew i must capture the avatar and everyone's like hey this dude sucks they're like why is he so mean yeah like i thought the whole idea was that you know the fire nation was this extremely hierarchical like you know society where you know the people at the top really don't give a shit about the people at the bottom and the Mm -hmm. people at the bottom respect them for that Mm -hmm. and they have to give them their honor but this guy's like why is he so mean to me? He was like, I don't care if you die. I was like, so hurt. Uh, he's a whiner. Yeah. He's a, well, I mean, you gotta think. Like, he's he's on the ship full of exiled rejects for a reason, sure. you know? Also, like, I don't think we ever hear him speak again. <laughs> I think he gets, like, one or two more lines. Uh, in the rest of the season. In the rest of the season. And then it becomes irrelevant. <laughs> uh, spoilers. But. Spoilers. Um, yeah, so he, yeah, yeah, so then he and all of his uh, crew buddies are sitting around a fire trash can, just like a hobo bin in the belly of the ship, I guess, and, it's uh. A, it's a bonfire. <laughs> but Do it's they have like those a, on ships? It's like in like a trash can, though, or something. It's like this weird cylindrical, like, like, I just like don't know where. It's like an indoor fire pit. Yeah, I just like don't know where they are. Um, but they're hanging out there, and Iroh's like, let me tell you Zuko's backstory. And he's like, here's why he's an angsty shit, because his dad fucked up his eye. Did I ever tell you the tale of the great Kraken? He should have been telling pirate stories. Oh my god. That's how they should have ended the episode. (laughs) Just Iroh telling pirate (laughs) stories. Um, (laughs) that would have been great. Uh, but yeah, the flying so, like, Dutchman's ghost. We, we find out that the way Zuko gets a scar is that he he challenged a general in his father's war room because um, the general was willing to just like sacrifice uh, Fire Nation soldier lives, and Zuko was like, "That's fucked up. Can we not do that?" And then his dad I really was liked like, the line, "What better bait than fresh meat?" <laughs> I know. That it's was like, like a really sit, like like villain line, oh, just yeah. classic villainy. Oh yeah, there's like some real delicious like cartoon villainy from the Fire Nation at this point, really? and it's like really fun. Um, you know, and like just the like his dad, like 
the Fire Lord is, like, truly, from the beginning, just set up to be this, like, bastion of pure evil, you know? Right. He's like, oh, I'll teach you respect, son, by burning your face off. Yeah, it's interesting. We hear his voice before seeing his face. I forgot about that. Yep, Mark Hamill doing a great job. Yeah, and then we also see Azula in the background. For the first time. For the first time. But we don't know Um, it's her yet. I mean, I feel like a lot of people speculated at the time, like, as to who it was. Like, what, Yes, that there, is, there is a lot of speculation. I remember some people saying that she might be, like, Aang's future, like, firebending teacher, which I was like, That's that seems weird. Choice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she's just Zuko's equally evil sister. Um, equally? Oh no! Like she's equally as evil as their their father, not as oh evil yeah, as Zuko. Um, <laughs> I would say disproportionately yeah, no. evil. Yes. So um, so yeah, and then you know like they they fly into the storm, and Zuko's got to save a crewman, and he does it with the help of the other guy who he was fighting with earlier. So they like reconcile, and it's like, look, I do care about my crew. I just I have a lot of issues. Right. Um, and they try to catch... Uh, oh, we see also lightning bending for the first time. Oh, yeah. Well, not the creation of lightning, but um, uh, Iroh redirecting lightning. And he yes. gets all zappy-zapped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, all of his hair standing on end. It's yeah. goofy and silly in, in stark contrast to future lightning redirection that we'll see. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, over in Aang's part of the world, <laughs> Aang and Katara are having this overly dramatic conversation about his also past. Also around a campfire. Also around, yeah, a fire in a cave. <laughs> um, so it, it's just like, I don't know, there's something about early season one dramatic dialogue where they just haven't quite cracked it yet. They don't know how to make things sound natural. So, like, Aang will sometimes just go, like, they wanted to take away everything I ever loved! And then, like, a huge fire, like, blows everywhere. <laughs> and he goes, like, halfway into the Avatar state. <laughs> it's, like, getting a little worked up there. <laughs> they're all, they're all but, dead. Yeah, I mean, like, but, like, they honestly successfully did take away everything he, he loved, but it was kind of his own fault. No, it's... He's just going like he's just going ham on this thing. It just doesn't feel very natural. Yeah, you know. I, I feel I like know. later on we get a better, you know, better dramatic dialogue. I feel like even in Korra, like I never feel like the line delivery is like super awkward and and out of place. The only person, only time I feel that is whenever Bolin opens his mouth in Korra. Oh, but yeah, he's just an awkward weirdo and all of his jokes don't land all I of mean, his jokes don't forever land, there's always going to be jokes that don't land but I, but i think like no the, i the just writers don't just like, get a lot better dramatic dialogue i i i can't i think at this point it's like just personal distaste i do not like bolin's voice actor i don't think he does a good job at all uh i i agree but we'll, sorry <laughs> we'll get back there um <laughs> But yeah, I just you know, like Ang's voice actor, I, I always find him very charming. He's got yes. a good good laugh, good joyous delivery, yes. um good good range. Mm-hmm. Uh and obviously same thing with Mae Whitman and uh whoever Sako's voice actor is. Jack Desaya, something like that. 
Yeah. They're very, very good. Great delivery of all their lines. But, like, sometimes it's just, like, the way that it's written. Like, they'll just put in, like, one really dramatic line and tell them to read it with gusto <laughs> right in the middle. And yeah. then, like, immediately, like, undercut it. Like, right after that, take away everything I ever loved line. Mm. Aang then says, like, yeah, I guess it was meant to be. <laughs> well, right. That's so, you know, like, we get Aang's backstory where, you know he finds out that he's the avatar and then his friends won't play with him anymore. And like, they're going to send him away from his like foster dad, basically. Yeah. Uh, and like, he's like, screw that. I'm just going to run away. And then he does and gets trapped in an iceberg. And then here we are. And he's like, it's yeah, my did fault. Did you notice that in his flashback, he, he remembers things that he wasn't there for. Yes. Oh my God. It's the worst fucking trope. I hate it so much. It's just, wait, how am I remembering this if I wasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> Monkey Yatso, his, his, his foster dad. dad, goes into his room and he's like, don't worry, Aang, I'm not going to let them take you. I And then he reads the note that Aang left saying, I'm running away forever. Don't, don't look for me. Yeah. <laughs> It's it doesn't like, really make sense when you think about it. No, it doesn't make any sense. He runs away to avoid being sent away. Yeah. Like, it'd be different if, like... He, like, hid somewhere. Like, what if they sent Monk Gyatso away, and then he was running away to go to the temple oh, where shit. Gyatso was? Dang, you totally fixed it. Like, that would just make a lot more sense. Yeah. And then he gets caught in the storm on the way there. Um... Whatever. Yeah. Um, one one <laughs> detail that's uh, really good is um, the the test to see whether um, he's the Avatar or not is actually uh, based on the real test that they do to uh, figure out who the new Dalai Lama and Panchai Lama is. Mm-hmm. You, you, you give them toys and they select from like a, la a large group Pile. of toys and if they select the right one, then uh, that's the, that's like a, a mark in their favor. So I, yeah. I think that's an interesting, cool detail. Yeah, it was really cool. And like, you know, it's a sort of thing where like Aang is kind of like, what are you talking about? They're just like the toys that I liked. And they're like, yeah, because you're the fucking avatar. <laughs> he's like, no, nah, I think they're just toys. Like yeah, really well, I mean, he, he's, like, it. in denial. Um, yeah. I, I think that, you know, it's meant to be that that is really oh, like, yeah. a real way of telling. For sure, yeah. Uh, and, and, like, just consider that, like, that realism and that connection to our world in stark contrast to how Korra finds out that she's the Avatar, <laughs> which is just at age eight, she can bend, bend, like, four different elements already. Right. Well, I, I mean, I did think it was interesting because... Um, the person who I was watching this episode with pointed out that Aang already has his mastery arrows at this point, yeah. whereas, like, none of his friends did. So, like, clearly he was already a prodigy, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's true. I mean, not, like, a super prodigy. I think the implication is that at his, at his age, like, it's... You do you do always have a chance to get your arrows. Like he mm -hmm. wasn't the first, the first of his age group to get the arrows or anything. Yeah, but, but all the kids it was we definitely see him among his with. friends. Yeah, like yeah, of all the kids we see him playing with, like none of them have their arrows. And then like once right. they find out but, he's the avatar, know. they're like, well, sorry, you can't play with us because it wouldn't be fair to whatever team you're on. Right. Which, I like, thought that was interesting because I would be like, well, now you're an airbending master. 
you have your arrows. Now it's not fair for you to play with us anymore. Right. Like, I feel like that would have already been an issue, you know? It's also just really shitty to be like, hey, you know this game you invented? <laughs> you can't, can't play. play. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick Stinky, like Pigpen over there. Oh, my. Yeah, that joke was not great. Not a fan of that one. It was not even really like a joke. It's just like, there's Pigpen, but yeah. he's an Airbender. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So you know, Ang is dealing with all of his guilt, and Katara is like, "Don't worry. It was destiny. You were meant to let the world suffer for a hundred years." And Ang's like, "Hey, you know what? You're right. I'm all better now." I mean, they have to find a way to move past it in the short term. I mean, he does confront this issue again. It's not yes. like this is the last time that we think about it. Yeah. You know, unlike Korra, when they do stuff with, like, you know, Bolin's crush on, on Korra. And, Long like, and it's literally resolved and then never, <laughs> never addressed again. Right. It's brought up once and he's like, yeah, I'm totally over it. Yeah, it's not great. No, it's very bad. Um, uh, anything else to say about uh, these episodes? I think they're no, pretty straightforward. Yeah, I I really like the parallels that are being drawn between Aang and Zuko, especially as we're like moving into the second half of the season, and like that's only going to become more pronounced. Um, like we have a couple of my favorite episodes coming up, so that'll mm. be fun. Well, it, uh, the other thing that I, I do want to mention is the the old man who leads them through the uh, the the Great Divide is great, and I yeah, love him. He's awesome. Just <laughs> also, there's a line where he's he's talking about like, oh, it's it's really hard to be the radical centrist. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a weird thing Wait, to say to a kid. What did he say? It wasn't exactly that, but it was like, it's hard to be impartial, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Aang is, like, not sitting around the campfires with either of the yeah. group. Yeah. And he's like, this is a lonely path we walk, we radical centrists, <laughs> down the political path. You know, it's horseshoe theory, you know? People on the right, people on the left, They're you know, all it's crazy. all it's all extremism is bad. <laughs> that's That's yeah. this old man, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, but his real goal, his real role is to just be like, we're all gonna die in here. Yep. And then to run off with them to the capital at the end so no one else can ever get through the fucking canyon. Yeah, just go around it, shit. <laughs> um, or get another earthbender, like... It yeah. feels like well, that he's the only one so who rare. knows these, he knows these canyons. These he's been trails. people on these... On down old, these trails for years. Old prospector. He was an old prospector, wasn't he? Yeah. He had a mustache. All right, so back in Korra world, we also have flashbacks. But unlike character building flashbacks, where we're also drawing parallels between two, like, opposed characters, this these one's just plot. like, here's all the plot. plot. Here, here's everything that happened. Exposition. It's the plot Yay. flashback. <laughs> What are your thoughts on plot flashbacks? I mean, sometimes they're necessary, but there's supposed to be a thematic connection as well, you know, even if there's not, like, a, an emotional connection. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's literally just explaining the plot for an entire episode. It's mm -hmm. just that. 
And like you can do you can explain it in one line, which is just there once was a bloodbender who could bloodbend everything. And yeah. Aang took his bending away and he gave birth to Tarlock. That's I mean, that's the whole that's the whole flashback. And it's yeah. they just drag it out over the course of an entire episode mm-hmm. for fan service. Well, and, like, honestly, there's some very disturbing, like, animation in this episode, like, around it's blood bloodbending. Bending. I mean, bloodbending's always disturbing. I mean, I yeah, bloodbending's disturbing. Bad with that. What? I don't know if that's, like, a bad thing. I think bloodbending is supposed to be disturbing. It's, like, I think it's, it's supposed like to be disturbing, Crucio. but it's, like, it, totally. I. It's just, it's interesting to me because it really feels like, the showrunners being like, look how dark and edgy we are now. <laughs> Game of Thrones yeah, on Nickelodeon. Know. You know, like, like. I mean, I respect that, like, there were some ideas in Avatar The Last Airbender that were not fully developed. For example, chi blockers and blood bending mm-hmm. and metal bending. And one of the things that Korra wanted to accomplish was to sort of. Let's let's see how far we can go with that. What stories can we tell about, you know, these things? What what visuals can we show that we couldn't show on a on a show for kids? And I think that that's fair. You know, like people responded really positively to the bloodbending episode in Last Airbender. Mhm. So it only makes sense to try and, you know, expand on that and show, you know, the true extent of how horrifying it can be like just literally showing somebody like twisting Aang's spine yeah. off. It's like it's like legitimately very terrifying though, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and maybe it should be. Maybe but it should I just be, think but it's like the, it's a the lot. The problem is like the, the nature of how they captured this bloodbender is completely irrelevant and, and, and pointless and nonsensical. Right. Right. Um I don't know. Does anything else of note really happen in this episode? Like Cora escapes well, so and it's, it's just like cool. fan service. It's like you gotta watch um you gotta watch Aang talk to talk to Toph and Toph calls him Twinkle Toes even though they're forty and he goes, uh-huh. I'm forty. This is me at forty. I'm not fun anymore. <laughs> and then they're like Councilman Sokka and he's like, Why? Once, when I was in my youth, I spied upon a man what could fire, fire, fire from, from betwixt his eyeballs. <laughs> he talks like a fucking, uh, he talks like a fucking uh, uh, parliamentarian. Yeah. Yep. Which he yep. is. But it's like, it's super strange. And like, it's clearly this adult voice actor <laughs> trying to capture the voice of like a 15 year old. From ten years ago, I know. I don't think he. I don't think whoever voiced him like ever listened to voice acting from Saga from his youth. I think he just looked at the script, which was like, "Oh, this is like how like Abraham Lincoln talked," right. and then he just tried to do his best Abraham Lincoln. It honestly did feel very Abraham Lincoln. Um, yeah. Saga freed the slaves. Oh my god! <laughs> Jeez, yeah. It's it's bad. Like again, it's just sequelitis. I didn't care about any of it. It didn't make me happy to see any of these characters. You know. Yeah. And I guess Katara was like in the south or something. Or, or something. she just wasn't there. Just wasn't there. I mean, aren't you married to this person, Aang? Mm-hmm. Where's Katara? Where's your wife? 
Yeah. She's off with the jet. <laughs> oh, wait, um, they also, dies. I forgot. Like in later seasons, and we'll get to this, they give Aang the like Harry Potter like treatment in like the cursed child where it's like, oh, you were a hero as a kid. So now you're a bad father. <laughs> It's just like... Yeah, that's not yet, though. But I think that's fine, too. I I don't know. I hate it. I'm like, who does this serve? Like, you're not edgy. You're not cool. I mean, but sometimes people are bad fathers. Sure, but, like, like, obviously you know you're going to piss fans off when you do this, so it's not for the fans. Well, it doesn't have to be. I know it doesn't have to be, but it's like what? Like, what is the purpose behind doing this? Because again, you know what people. Well, we'll get to it when we actually get to those story beats. We'll get there. Um, I mean, it's just Aang. He's just a joyless guy who just goes around taking away supervillains' bending. Yeah. Like, it's like super easy. Like, I thought it was kind of a one-time thing. I mean, it is you know sort of a Deus Ex Machina, and we'll get there. Man, I keep saying that, but like. (laughs) It seems like it's something that you shouldn't be able to just do to anybody. Yeah. Or maybe you shouldn't be able to do it to just anybody. I mean, that's literally what makes Amon a villain is that he, like, takes away the thing that, you know, makes people special in this universe. Right. And that's that's considered, like, a really big part of themselves, too, you know? Yeah. And he's just like, nope, can't do that. Which, to be fair, I mean, this guy basically possesses the ability to brain control and control the bodies of everybody all the time. Yeah. He's basically Kilgrave. Yeah. Um, from from Jessica Jones. But, like, I don't know. It doesn't help Cora in any way. It just tells her the very basic fact that Tarlock is... <laughs> is the son of a bloodbender, which we already knew he was a bloodbender, so I figured he probably would be. Right, exactly. And it's like, okay, so it's just like, why does he need to have been the son of this other evil dude to, like, want to do shit, you know? Yeah, like, like what if Yakone, like, I mean, it doesn't matter, like, if it's Tarlock or Yakone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, let's imagine that none of these flashbacks exist, and it's just, this is the introduction of an introduction of a new type of bender. Right. Who can bloodbend everyone at once? Yep. Does it change the story at all? Nope. No. Doesn't change it at all. I guess it's really the, just set up one... for the next series of flashbacks that we're gonna get. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, like it's it's basically like, oh, Cora's finally in touch with like her past lives a little bit and getting closer to like the Avatar state and airbending yeah. and shit but like it's so not it, it doesn't read like that it just reads as here's some handy exposition cool handy dandy expo yeah so then the equalists track cora down in her little mountain cottage where she's being held in a metal box they attack her she does some cool shit like she honestly does do some really cool yeah like, no it's, nice a, it's a really cool scene. action scene i think that they really poured all of their like best like animation budgets into this mm-hmm. episode and the next episode yeah. for better or for worse. Um, and like, yeah. So, so Cora, like they, they tell, they tell the mustache guy really loudly to zap the box before they open it. Mm-hmm. And Cora hears it. And is like, well, obviously I'm Great. not going to get zapped. So yeah. she just hangs from her, uh, wristbands from the top bar of the, mm-hmm. uh, of the box. Yep. And she don't get zap. She don't get zap. And then she comes out fighting. She kicks a bunch of ass. 
They don't manage to get her, and then when she runs out into the cold, she reunites with her handy-dandy dog polar Where bear. Where was the dog? Who knows? Like, she just fucking disappeared. Like, she was just there. It was so convenient. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, maybe she hid because she knew that she would come in handy later. But, like, what if she had just run to Tenzin and been like, Roof, roof, Cora's stuck down a well! Exactly! Like, it's just so strange. And, like, how did Naga know that, like, Cora got captured in the first place? You know, it's just like... I I thought Cora, like, rode Naga to the building. Oh, maybe, but then, like, Naga didn't jump in at all during any of that fighting, and, like, certainly wasn't there when she was being actually kidnapped and hauled away, so... <sighs> Naga's no appa. That's no. gonna be the t-shirt, you know? Na- Naga's Naga no ain't appa. no appa. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's that's basically the end of the episode. Oh, also, everyone knows that Tarlock's a bloodbender now. In, like, a shitty, stupid way, like... Yeah. Basically, like, the, the B-plot of this episode is that the rest of the gang is, um, like, trying to find Korra, and they're like, she must be in the tunnels. Yeah. Because that's where all the equalists are. Why we haven't been going into the tunnels beforehand, I don't know. Right. So then they break into the tunnels and immediately find, like, the prison holding cell, which they have for some reason. I don't know why they do that. Like, shouldn't they just release the people once they have taken away their bending? Right. Like, why even take them off-site to take their bending? Just, like, do it, you know? Well, they have to, like, because it's a lot of people, and, like, I'm on, like, you know, it does take some time to, like, go through them one by one and tap their foreheads. (laughs) I guess you can't release them if they know where your secret base is, but, like, there's ways around that, too. That's the whole point. Like, you're supposed to blindfold them so they don't know where they are. Right. But, like, they didn't keep anyone else that they took the bending from. So it's just a weird thing that they have these prison cells. Yeah, for the former police for officers. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so um, they, they do yeah. that. Again, some more cool action scenes, but, like... They're, like, riding like, this, like, monorail. And then they, like... And then they, like, bend a different, like, thing from the ceiling. And then they just graze from one monorail onto the other and fly through a hole in the ceiling that opens up. It honestly feels like a video game. I Like, this is, this Very is much the, so. the video game level that you have to beat. This is Donkey Kong Country. It's Donkey <laughs> yeah. Kong Cora. Yeah. Press X now um, to tear down the roof. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so they, they find all the people and they're like, Cora's not here. And then, like, one of the Eagles is like, Tarlock lied to you. And Tenzin's like, of course, that must mean that Tarlock kidnapped Korra. Yeah, it's so stupid. <laughs> like, he just really gets it real quick. And yeah. I feel like it's not that obvious. Like, <laughs> Tarlock has not done anything explicitly illegal ever. No. Uh, but, but it's just I... like he's just, everyone sees him as a complete villain. Like, as soon as the, the first episode that he appears in is over. Mm-hmm. Which makes him a bad villain. It's a bad, bad villain. Not interesting. And then he gets his bending taken away, and now he's boring. And, right, and now he's literally irrelevant, basically. Yeah, like, literally, he we just introduced this ability that he has that's actually, like, difficult to defeat. And terrifying. And then it's taken away. Yeah. Um, so, you know, then Korra makes it home, and she's like, 
she's like, all right, oh, yeah. we got Mako, Mako is like, oh, my God, I'm so scared for Korra's life. And then um, Asami's like, you're a little too scared for Korra's for life. life. Yeah. And then uh, Bolin is like, well, they did kiss. Oh, my God. And Asami's, and Asami's like, what like, the they fuck? kissed? Which, like, honestly, fair enough, because, like... That did happen while Mako was dating her, but... But why is this happening during, like, literally the most tense part? Because this the show doesn't understand what people pacing. care about. It's pacing. Pacing, pacing, pacing. It's terrible, terrible pacing. And they think we're invested in this stupid fucking love triangle, which actually no one gives a shit about. Yeah, like, I don't... It's boring. I don't get it. It's really it's boring. Bad. So then, like, for this episode, where the stakes are super high because Korra's been kidnapped, um, I don't know why she was kidnapped and not killed, but, yeah. you know, hey, that's uh, that's Avatar for you. Um, and <laughs> then, like, likewise, I, like, why does Tarlock, you know, bloodbend everyone to the ground and they're all passed out, and he doesn't just go around and, like, slit their throats? Right, exactly. He's and not a good like, villain. No. He's not good no. at what he does. No. Um, no. But, like, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, th- that's just sort of the nature of having to do a show on Nickelodeon. But Yes, but it's like, you know, you also put your characters in these in situations situation. where, like, yeah. the logical next step, especially in this darker, edgier Avatar world, is that, like... Someone dies, but then like you can't do that because you're on Nickelodeon, so now everything just feels weird. Like Avatar did a good job of like for the most part, like any deaths were like off screen or kind of like implied, right. um, which is like a classic cart, you know, where like people fall and into the ocean. And there was a ocean. good reason to kidnap the Avatar versus killing him because if he right. kills him, he reincarnates. Right, exactly. Um, but, and, like, like, Tarlock doesn't care about that. Like, he'll be long dead by the time that, you know, the next Avatar rolls around. And right, or is powerful that one enough. Too. Exactly. You know, like, you just find that Avatar, and then you're like, oh, I'll teach you everything you need to know, kid. You know? Like, right. like that's an Avatar story I'd watch. Someone corrupts the Avatar. That'd be interesting. Um, I mean, that's... I mean, we'll get there. That's season three. Um, uh, yeah, I guess. Anyway, uh, like, the point is, we're sprinkling in this, like, Asami bullshit where we still haven't established Asami as a character in any way, shape, or form. As aside from Mako's girlfriend. Right, and now her one defining trait is that she's jealous of how Mako feels about Korra. Yeah. During the most tense and, like, stakes-having episodes of the series so far. But she, like, confronts Mako about it while she's, like, doing dishes or something. And he's like, what's up, babe? And she's like, I don't know. What is up, asshole? And he's like, oh, I mean, I didn't really mean to kiss her. It was, like, uh, an accident or something. Well, <laughs> like, he, his she kissed him. Just, I guess. But, like, his defense was just so lame when she was, like... What do you mean, I guess? You're just... You just... You don't... You don't care about my boys. Okay. I don't. My friendly boys. They're the worst. Um, They didn't do nothing wrong. (laughs) They did so much wrong. Nah. Bolin did nothing wrong. He told the truth. And uh, Mako didn't tell the truth. Uh, Okay. So I guess that that is kind of stupid. Mako is a bad 
person. Bolin yeah. is a stupid person, which is forgivable, yeah. but still annoying. So I right. don't love them. <laughs> All right. But that's... Now I think we, we've sort of bled into the, the second episode, um, which is the turning of the tides. Yeah. Um, so Korra's, you know, been broken out of prison, and uh, everyone else has been broken out of prison, and now Amon's making his move. Mm-hmm. He's busting a move. Yep. At the giant uh, flying ships attacking the city. I like. Yeah, where does he you keep ask, those? One, where was he keeping those? I'm like, I guess, again, we see, like, Sato with him, so, okay, he's being supplied by this, like... Yeah, but, like, you should still be able to, like, see them inflating these things. You know how long it takes to inflate a fucking (laughs) airship? A long time. Yeah. I don't know. They've got a lot of, like, underground shit going on. I bet they just open up some dock doors. Can you launch a giant balloon from underground without people noticing? If it's in the mountains, maybe. But we have no idea where they came from. Yeah, it's just like balloons can just appear out of nowhere in this yeah. universe. Yeah. And then um, they're trying to capture all of the council people. And then Tenzin's like, get me the general of the army. Tell yeah. him to come save us. Yeah. And we get a fun cameo. General, and... general Iroh. General Iroh, voiced by uh, Dante Bosco. Uh, that it's the that's the worst. That's the worst thing about Is this it? episode. Forget really? fart bending. Really? I hate General Iroh. What a fucking toast. What a fucking human a white American cheese. Okay. Just, I hate him so much. Okay, but we didn't know that he was nothing yet. You know. From the first moment you see him, you like it's just pure fan service bullshit. I mean, there's I nothing mean, of value there and you can tell. I mean, yeah, his character design is really boring. His character design is boring. He, uh, his name is General Iroh, and, <laughs> and he's just the general of the army who just comes to save them. And he's voiced by Dante Bosco for fans. Yeah. Because I think the way that children works is they get your voice once you get too old. <laughs> they steal your voice. I mean, like, there's, it's definitely a thing where, like, people can sound like their relatives. Like, that's yeah, not but, unheard of. I mean, just getting the exact same voice actor. Yeah, and okay. Just being like, this is for you guys. I know you won't watch an, an Avatar The Last Airbender show without Dante, Dante Bosco, Bosco in it. Ugh. You fucking sycophants. <laughs> I hate um, him. All right. Well, so, you know, Tenzin is going off to fight and he's like, Lynn, protect my family. But then his wife is giving birth also. So uh, then, like, and the prom's tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And so like, you know, Lynn is like, I'll protect the woman who stole you away from me. And it's supposed to be drama, but like, it's not, it's just like literally, stupid. this is exactly what we were talking about in the other episode about the, the whole Tenzin Lynn thing, yeah. which is like, Tenzin's like, I know this might be awkward for you and it's okay if you say no, but can you protect my family? And she's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, what are you yeah. talking about? I'm a fucking that was cop. like 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, 
It's just, it's so like, wild. They try to play up love triangle shit. It's every single character. And I'm like, this was not the interesting part of Avatar. What are you doing? I, I, it's just ridiculous. And, like, any disgust that she has during the episode is just that, like, she doesn't have children and doesn't really like children. <laughs> right. But, like, it's just, it's so stupid. Yeah, uh, it's can, we, can we also talk about why Oman is bombing Republic City? Because, like, doesn't make sense to me with anything that we've known about his character oh, yeah. before now. I didn't now. even think about that. I you forgot know? that he was even dropping bombs. Why like, is he doing that? What? He should be Why dropping is... flyers. Right, exactly. Like, he's been in this propaganda war where he was like, I won't kill you now, Avatar Korra, because you would become a martyr. But then he's just literally bombing the city. Like, I guess the idea is that now he has drummed up enough support, but we didn't see that. But we haven't seen that. We haven't seen rising support from other people. We've just seen Bender's oppressing regular folk occasionally, you know? Like, what you would expect in, like, a story like this is that, like, the the non-Benders would, like, protest, and then they would, mm-hmm. like, get somebody elected that's, like, in the... Uh, equalist State party. House. yeah. And then, and then that would be, like, the push, and then... After that, he would, would you know, be, be like, yeah, there would be a coup or something, you know, or like they would, you know, arrest somebody who is like a popular uh, speaker for the, you know, like he's a peaceful protester. They would arrest him and then he would be like a martyr for the cause. And then they'd right. be like, they don't, they will never listen to the peaceful one. You know, it's like MLK, you know, yeah. like once MLK is is assassinated, then it becomes more like acceptable to to use violent rhetoric and and talk about revolution more. Right. Well, and like it's very interesting because these like writers just clearly have no idea how to write this kind of story because right. Avatar it was like here's the Simplistic. literal evil. It was so easy. It was very like there was a lot of nuance with individual characters, but like and, like, even within the Fire Nation itself, as, like, we'll see later in Avatar, but, like, the Fire Lord, pure evil. You know? Just, like, mm-hmm. megalomaniac trying to just destroy and take over the world. And, like, that's an easy villain to defeat. You know? Like, exactly. It's, it's simple. You don't need to interrogate it. He's not right in any way. But, like, Ahmad has a fucking point. And no one addresses it, but then he just well, drops he, he, bombs. Well, sh- he should have a point, but he doesn't. That's okay. the that's the real yes. problem. So yes. he would have a point in any world building scenario that that you would you know that you could actually see in like an adult story. There would be prejudice against non benders. You know, all the bending, all the police are benders, right? And 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 benders have access to, um, you know socioeconomic things, you know, certain jobs that non-benders just don't have access to. Right. Um, so you would see discrimination, but we don't see that. Mm-mm. So Aman doesn't have a point in this universe because they mm-hmm. have to make him a villain that's worthy of being, like, killed or, you know, gotten rid of. Yeah. But it doesn't make any sense for the world building. I think that's nope. the problem is that yep. he's he's actually at, just as evil as Ozai – but he shouldn't be. Right. It's so stupid. I hate it. <laughs> it's hot. It's hot garbage. Um, and then and then fart bending. Because the real, like, threat in this episode, the stakes, is that the airbending kids could get their airbending taken away. And they're, mm-hmm. you know, the last airbenders. The last airbenders. Yeah. 
so you know uh, what's at stake is is total genocide total extermination of airbenders as a people mm-hmm. um or as a i guess as a skill airbending is a skill not as the airbending culture that's yeah. not at stake but yeah. still it's it's so high stakes it's it's high stakes um the family does manage to get away but lynn gets captured and they take away airbending so that's like and the big, um the big uh, thing this, I, I get one, one. I get one point for calling that Janora is not a good character um, because she says, "Get away from my, my dad's, dad's ex girlfriend." Yeah. Okay. You don't get a point for that. I get a point. Give me the oh. points. All right. I demand points. She's she's bad right now. She's great later. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. This episode is titled, We'll Get There. <laughs> Basically, turning the tides. It's like, all we'll right, we, we're go- we'll get there, guys. Don't worry. Yeah, um, uh, it is It is what it is with Janora, and the, but it isn't what it isn't with Milo yeah. or Milo. Milo is just going to keep farting. Farting, yep. And he <sighs> continues farting. to be underdeveloped in all aspects of everything. And they all um, kick the asses of those those... Those equalist chumps, whereas, yeah. like, Lynn, this highly trained and specialized oh bender, just cannot even fucking stop them. them. She keeps yeah. trying to touch them with metal wires. They have electricity, you dork. It's really you stupid. Dolt. It's really, really dumb. Also, it's like, you're an earthbender. You can use the earth, too. Like, you're not yeah, just a metal just bender. Just hit them with rocks from like, afar. They have or, no defense against ranged attacks. Or suck them down into an earth hole, and then they can't move. The end. Like, this is what I'm saying. No one knows how to earthbend in Korra. Like, no one. You're absolutely it's right. I didn't so see it bad. before, but now I do. And everyone is really good at airbending to the point where they can just lift a robot that weighs like a hundred pounds into the sky with wind. Yeah. Like, that's nuts. Yeah. And couldn't do that shit. He could just well, blow he, shit. He could a little bit. He created, in his fight with Boomy, he does like the big tornado. To yeah, he has to run rock. around in circles for like ten minutes to create okay. like a whirlwind strong that's enough just true. to turn a rock around in midair. Yeah. As a, And that's not even lifting a rock, you know? It's yeah. like... That's fair. It's, it's some garbage. Hey, you know what the best part of this episode is by What's far? the best part? The magnet robots. Oh, my God. Yeah. Those are kind of great. I do love them. It just, like, literally, the, the metal bending cobs are wearing all metal, so they just turn on these high-powered electromagnets, and they go, zoop. <laughs> Got them. so em. smart. It's so smart. So yeah, good. so like you know, the writers on this show—they're creative, certainly, but it's just they but make some goofy end? shit sometimes. To what end? It's so to bad. goofy shit. Goofy to, shit is good. Goofy, goofy shit. All right, so next time we're gonna be talking about. Um, we're gonna be finishing up season one of Korra. Season one of Korra with skeletons in the closet and Endgame. What? Avengers Endgame Legend of Korra Endgame (laughs) Infinity War Um, (laughs) Thanos shows up and fucks everyone up Um, God if only Alright and then what are we talking about in in Avatar land I don't know some bullshit some filler probably No well okay I think we got the blue spirit and um, oh yeah down there is some filler uh, we had the blue spirit, and then uh, it's the fortune teller, I believe. Yeah. So. Yep. Some filler. 
We'll like, get to it. It like, is what it is. It is what it is. We'll um, get to it next time on Avatar, The Legend of Korra. What is it called? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Bye, everybody.